Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Battle Round. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's my co-host. I almost called you and Ryan Blake. Zach will be joining this show later. Want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by Superbook. There has been a big shakeup in terms of MLB futures thanks to the Orioles acquisition of ace Corbin Burns. Right now at Superbook, Burns is the fourth choice to lead MLB in pitching wins this season at 20 to 1. The Orioles are now tied for the first choice to win the American League at plus 475 and are tied for the third choice to win the World Series at 10 to 1. When you sign up at Superbook, use the code PRESSBOX23 and you'll receive a same-day First bet match up to $250, win or lose. Ryan, 10 to 1, third in baseball to win the World Series. What a week for Orioles baseball. What a week for the Baltimore Orioles fans. Just an unbelievable stretch over the last five, six days. Paul, if you had told me on Sunday afternoon when I was lying face down on my living room floor after Zay Flowers fumbled at the goal line that this would be one of my favorite weeks as a Baltimore sports fan ever, I would have told you that you were absolutely insane. The Angelos family sells the team. 24 hours later, they go out and trade for Corbin Burns. I am over the moon excited for the future of the Baltimore Orioles. What a, what a week. What a week it has been. I'll tell you, man. If you had told me, hey, look, the Ravens are going to lose the AFC championship game, but I guarantee you the Orioles franchise will be sold the, the, the same the following week, and the Orioles will acquire one of the best starting pitchers in all of baseball, I would have signed up for that in blood. I would yeah. have absolutely signed up for that in blood. This is Probably the most excited I've ever been as an Orioles fan. And you're talking to a guy who convinced himself that the 2002 Baltimore Orioles were a good baseball team. Like, uh, this is the most excited I have ever been for this team. Like, Kevin Garnett, anything is possible! (laughs) D'Angelo's family selling the Baltimore Orioles to David Rubenstein, co-founder of the Carlisle Group, he heads the new ownership group that includes New York businessman Michael Arugetti. Uh, Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. I, I, honestly, I'm not even sure if it's Rubenstein or Rubenstein. I, I it's Rubenstein. I, okay. I know that. For, I got confirmation on that. It is Rubenstein. Good. I'm going uh, to look that up before the show. The, okay. the group that includes New York businessman Michael Arugetti, his partners Mitchell Goldstein and Goldstein. That one I did not look up. Um <laughs> And Michael Smith, Orioles Hall of Fame shortstop and third baseman, Cal Ripken Jr., former mayor of New York, Michael Bloomberg, former mayor of Baltimore, Kurt Schmoke, Washington Spirit majority owner, Michelle Kang, and NBA Hall of Famer, Grant Hill. What an ownership group. You have three billionaires in that ownership group. The sales reported for for $1.725 billion, nearly 10 times what Peter Angelos paid for the club way back in 1993. What a return on your investment, 10 times what you paid for it. Speculation, Ryan, uh, is that the control person, John Angelos, uh, was not happy with the lease agreement that was that was signed, uh, specifically the denial of land that he was looking to develop as a contributing factor to the sale. Good. Um, yeah, good. Screw that guy. Uh, a number of Maryland representatives spoke out on the matter uh, most notably were two of them. Governor Westmore said a transparency that was that was required. It was not there, and it's disappointing. Good. And then the most ballinest baller, baller of all ballers in Baltimore, um, Baltimore, um, state comptroller Brooke Learman, who said, I do think that John's behavior displayed an incredible lack of respect for the state and our role in working with the Baltimore Orioles and our role as the owners of the home of the Baltimore Orioles. She went on to say, it's incredibly disappointing, although frankly, not surprising. That said, we crafted an agreement in such a way that it would not matter who owned the Orioles, because I think many of us believe that the Angelos family's days as owners were numbered anyways. It was important for us to protect the state and taxpayers and our assets, no matter who the owners are. Bravo. Very well said, Madam Comptroller. She absolutely torched that dude. And it's like, we heard some things about, there was a lease agreement agreed to in like early December. And then 
it got backed off from, and we were sitting there like, what the hell is going on? And basically it was, no, nah, man, they basically came out and, were, and without saying it, basically said, uh, John Angelos is a piece of garbage and we know that he's lying and he's making up a bunch of crap here. So we're not going to sign this agreement. And they had to make it so that, because they knew, they knew that he was, that he was, that he was leaving. They knew that he was going to sell the team and they weren't about to get shafted by this guy. Like the rest of, like all of Baltimore has been shafted by that, by that guy for the last five years. It just, just an incredible, incredible moment for, um, for the 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 city of Baltimore and its fans, frankly, you know, I don't give a shit about what John Angelos did. I'm glad he's getting called out for being the low down, dirty snake that he is. But if his being a snake is what led to the, the trepidation and giving him the land and ultimately led to his selling of the team, then hell yeah, you're a slithery little snake, man, and I and I love it. Get the <laughs> hell out of my face. Be gone. So happy right now. What was your reaction when you got the news that the Orioles had been sold? So I had, I had just gotten off of work and I had a text from a friend. I, I had, similar to what I did when the Orioles were losing game three against the Rangers, I deleted Twitter from my phone before the end of the Ravens game because I just, I, it's not good for my mental health to read all the negative takes. It's just, it's too much for me sometimes. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take a little break from Twitter. So uh, my friend had texted me and said, is it real? Ryan, is it real? I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And I immediately re-downloaded Twitter because I knew that that's where I would get the scoop before he texted mm -hmm. me back. And man, just the, you know, there was a little bit of, at the beginning, I think it was Puck Sports that had mm -hmm. originally reported it. And there was a little bit of like, is this reputable? Is it legit? And as we started to see some people who knew about Puck Sports and were familiar with them, or Puck News, I apologize, um, it started to seem like, all right, yeah, th I mean, this is the same guy who, you know, reported parts of the Washington Commander's sale and has been right about a bunch of stuff, has been doing this for 20 years and is, is very well connected. It was like, all right, maybe there's some legs to this. And then we, we see Andy Koska of the Baltimore Banner uh, corroborate the report. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is actually happening. And just the sense of relief, the absolute boulder lifted off of our shoulders. It, man, like, don't let the door hit you on your way out, man. Yeah. Like, see ya. I don't want to see or hear from you ever again. I, I hope that this whole you know, John sticking around as a, a minority owner or whatever his role he's an, is. He's uh, an, a, um, a senior advisor. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that doesn't last long. I hope that nobody else in the ownership group or the front office listens to him. Uh, see ya. Bye. Good riddance. I, I don't care. See ya. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'll tell you. So admittedly, I was at the bar when i found out and i don't go to the bar i don't uh, I, those days are long gone for me i i don't go to the bar i was actually um coerced there by a friend who wanted me to meet this woman that he was beginning to see uh and when i say beginning to see beginning to um enjoy after hours time with we'll put it that way and you know god bless her this woman is in her 70s. Like, she's in her 70s. And um, so I was there specifically to meet her and then make fun of him to no end about this. Is this is this friend your age? No, he's he, he's he's a little bit older. That, that's all I, I'll care to say. Okay. But fair. he's significantly younger than her. Um, <laughs> and so I was – but as soon as he introduced me, I had enough time to shake her hand and say, hi, I'm Paul. And then I got a text from a friend with a screenshot of a, of a tweet saying that the, or the Baltimore Orioles have been sold. So then I'm not even paying attention to what she's saying to me. Some other guy's talking to me and I'm not paying attention to what he's saying. I'm just going through my phone, going through my phone. And people are texting me left and right. I'm sure people were texting you too. Is this real? I'm getting direct messages. Is this real? Is this actually happening? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm I, I'm as lost as you are. Yeah. Um, then when we all the other confirmations started coming out, it was like my heart was racing. I was so excited. I finished. I almost didn't finish my drink, but my buddy had paid for it and I didn't want to be rude. So I finished my drink and I said, see ya and i ran out the door i went home and spent the next several hours just looking for all the confirmation that i could get just an unbelievable unbelievable feeling unbelievable moment almost 
as unbelievable as the moment you sink your teeth into a nice piece of Royal Farms fried chicken. No big game celebration is complete without Royal Farms world famous chicken. Get an eight piece mix for just $12 or a 10 piece dark for just $15 at your neighborhood Royal Farms today. You see what I did there? You like that? That was a great segue. Thank you. Thank you. Now, um, one of the things that I didn't put in the notes, um, but it just it just goes to show kind of the piece of crap that John Angelos is. Um, Rock Kabatko, who has been on the bat around before, and he had a 16-year-plus streak of posting a, um, a, a blog post every single day. It was Ripken-esque. He had not missed a, a post in 16 years. And it, his radio silence through all of this was, it was noteworthy. You know, Rock gets a lot of crap from people. I personally like Rock. I've met Rock in person uh, at an Orioles game. He's been nothing but engaging and friendly to me. Um, and I've had nothing but great conversations with him over the years. So I, I personally like Rock. And, I'm, and of course, you know, he's, the Orioles' most well-known writer, he and Dan Connolly uh, are both up there. And so I immediately go to check out what Rock had to say, and there's nothing. There's nothing. I think I – no, it was it was Zach Goodman that I had, tech, that I had messaged because he messaged me first, and I said, I can't believe we haven't heard anything from Rock. And then somebody saw, showed a tweet where Rock uh, was not allowed to write an article. Um, he said – he put, I was unable – to um, I'm paraphrasing here, I was unable to post uh, about to post a, a story that I wanted to do. So the streak is over. I'm taking a hiatus, and I get it. But man, talk about the worst possible time to to end the streak. The most significant week in the history in the last 40 years of the Baltimore Orioles, and their main beat writer is radio silent. You know, and, and to me, it's telling that they were they wouldn't let him. They would not let him talk about the sale of this team. And I'm thinking that he's sitting there and he's like, I'm their main writer. I'm watching all these other publications come out with a story about this and get to talk about this. And you're not going to let me say anything. Well, screw you then. I'm, 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 I'm taking some time off. The Orioles get sold and then they trade for Corbin Burns, the first legitimate ace on this staff dating back to Mike Mussina. Uh, just what a time. It's like, who was the guy that got hurt and then Luke Garrick took over for him? The first. Uh, I, I wouldn't know that, I don't think. Yeah, that, that first baseman for the Yankees, who was like their everyday first baseman, he got injured. Luke Garrick took over. And then the next thing you know, the, <laughs> the guy never gets to play again. What a time to take your, to go on hiatus and break your streak. Yeah, it reminds me of like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to when the Ravens injured Tommy Maddox and then Ben Roethlisberger took over as the Steelers quarterback. Yep. That, that's about as far back as, as my memory goes. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely, definitely strange, but like you said, noteworthy. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know all the details of, you know, who is in charge of approving his articles or permitting him what he can and cannot write. I, mm -hmm. I think I have an idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the most exciting week in terms of news and the most important week in terms of news in my lifetime, Angelos has owned the team since 1993. I was born in December 94. So, mm -hmm. I mean, th this is all I've ever known. And, you know, Rock is Rock is our guy. He, he had an incredible streak. And I'm, I'm sure there's some politics involved in in why he was unable to post following the sale. Um you know, could he have come up with something else to write about? Maybe, but it would have been weird as hell if yeah. he was just posting like, you know, the Orioles are still exploring the starting pitching market. Mike Elias uh, had a, a press conference and, you know, or had a talk at the Birdland Caravan and said all this blah, 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 blah. That would have been weird considering the timing of it all. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm like you, man. I, I've never had an issue with Rock myself. We've always been cordial. Um, I, I understand he does get a good bit of hate and I don't really – understand why um but yeah i mean definitely strange that that uh we haven't heard from him in, yeah in and, and you know when when i first noticed that he was not reporting on it 
my initial thought was, well, he works for Masson. The team hasn't released a statement about this yet. It hasn't become official yet. And maybe because he works for Masson and Masson is owned by the Orioles, he is not allowed to say anything or he's not going to say anything until it's confirmed by the team. Um, the fact that he basically came out and said without saying, they're not letting me. And I think it's crap. Uh, I think it's very telling. You know, um, I do think it's also very telling that Masson is part of the uh, the sale of the team. Masson is going with that. I'm very interested to see what a few billionaires owning the team can do for Masson. You know, it was already in the works that that you were no longer going to need a, a cable subscription um, to use the Masson app, that it was going to be a, a monthly service, a monthly fee now, which I think is what they should have done anyway. It's mainly the it's basically the main reason I haven't cut the cord yet. Uh, is because of the of the of the mass nap. So, um, and I'm interested to see what's going to happen with programming for mass. And if they're just going to say you keep running the people that run mass and you keep doing what you're going to do. But I do like the fact that it, that the mass is going to the new ownership group in this deal. Um, we're waiting on Zach Goodman. He's probably a few minutes away from joining the show. Um, but I do want to talk. How important is it that Cal Ripken is a part of this ownership group, Brian? To me, I think it signifies. Like, if Cal's part of this group, stuff's going to happen. This isn't going to be a regular ownership. Yeah, uh, look, we've been clamoring for this for the, the the last couple decades, really. Ever since Cal retired, we've seen people talking like, "Hey, what if what if Cal bought the birds? You know, what if what if Cal Ripken was part of the next ownership group? Like, hey, Cal, save us from the Angelos family." There's been a lot of that kind of conversation, and for it to finally come to fruition, what? 23 years after his retirement 22 seasons later it's it's exciting man that it's a guy who and and not far off from david rubenstein who is a baltimore guy is an orioles fan cal ripkin mm -hmm. loves the orioles and as a result he's gonna want to do whatever he can to help the orioles be as good as they can be and so having him involved in the ownership group is mm -hmm. massive he's the face of a of an organization you know, since since Brooks passed away, he's probably the I mean, I think without a doubt, the most recognizable figure in Baltimore Orioles history mm -hmm. who's, who's currently living. And for him to be part of the ownership group, it's it's I mean, it's everything it, we could ask for. It really is. We've got three multi-billionaires with incredibly deep pockets and Cal Ripken Jr., among others. That what more what yeah, more could we it's, want? Um it's a new day in Baltimore and, and it's, it's so funny, man. Like, I don't, I don't know how to act. You know what I mean? We have it, like, I was yeah, alive weird. for almost nine years before uh, Peter Angelos bought the team, but I didn't understand ownership or anything like that. All I knew at that age was that the Baltimore Orioles were the baseball team in Baltimore. You know what I mean? And then, um, and we saw him spend a lot of money from like 1995 through 2000. The Orioles had a top 10 payroll in all of baseball, including the number one payroll, I think, in 98 and 99. Um, like we, we saw him spend money and then we saw him kind of get a little bit of, a little bit gun shy because of, of stuff like Albert Bell and Scott Erickson. Um, and then all, all the all the crap that came along with the 20, the, the offseason before 2004 when they signed. Um, Javi Lopez, Rafael Palmero, and Miguel Tejada. So, I mean, we did see an ownership group it, with Peter, led by Peter Angelos that spent money until they got scared off and stopped doing it. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see what this team is going to do moving forward. Uh, we already saw that it, it gets announced that, the, that, they're, that the new ownership group is taking over. And then within 24 hours, the Orioles trade for Corbin Burns. They trade D.L. Hall, Joey Ortiz, and competitive balance round A pick, 34th overall pick, to the Brewers in exchange for Corbin Burns. And I, I, I'm trying to not get into this because I want to. I don't want to take a step back to talk about the ownership change again, uh, the sale of the team. Uh, when Zach gets on the show, I should have told him 10-15 instead of 10-20. Um, but – we we have to talk about it. I don't want to bury the lead here. Well, it's it's, it's hard because both are leads, right? Here's the thing: we we don't have to get into the details of of what's in the notes and what we want to talk about. Can I just can I just give my my yes. reaction overall 
to the the Orioles having Corbin yeah. Burns on their team. So I don't know if it's because he's been on my dynasty fantasy baseball team for the last three or four years, or if it's because he, you know, has spent his career with the Brewers, which is a team that I, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure I have a second favorite team, but the Brewers would be in the running if they were, it's a team that I, you know, I like, I I've always kind of, you know, wished them success, especially against teams like the Cardinals and Cubs. I hate the Brewers. Um, I hate, them. I hate them. Fair enough. Well, that that's all to say on my end, at least Corbin Burns. I, I've been trying to think, is there another starting pitcher in major league baseball, not counting anybody on the Orioles that I like more than Corbin Burns. And I haven't found anybody yet. There's a couple that might be close, but the Orioles just traded for my favorite pitcher in baseball. And that is, I mean, I was similar to you when, when the news of the ownership sale broke, I was at the bar. I was at a happy hour with some friends after work. Um, and I had put my phone away and I, I pulled it out and I had a bunch of text messages, a couple DMs like, oh my God, oh my God, Corbin Burns. And then I, my, my first reaction was, what's the, what, what's the damage? What do we have to give up? And when I saw the return, which we'll get into later, like, all right, that's, yeah, you have to pull the trigger on that deal. Corbin Burns is a Baltimore Oriole. And I'm, I'm telling this to my friends who know nothing about baseball. They don't care about the Orioles. And I'm like a, a kid in a candy store. I can't stop smiling and nerding out over, you know, the Orioles and what this means. And, you know, talking about the sale that happened the day before, man, I I'm just, I'm absolutely giddy with, with everything yeah. that's gone on this week. Ever since, ever since the Ravens game, it's been nothing, nothing but, but sunshine. sunshine. Uh, the Orioles do pull tr the trigger on trading for Corbin Burns. And if you've got a gambling problem, maybe you need to pull the, Wow, don't say that. Wow, don't say that. I was trying Wait to have a really minute. solid segue. And I was Wait like, whoa, you cannot say that. Uh, don't pull the trigger on that parlay. Don't pull the trigger on that parlay, but pull the trigger on calling 1-800-GAMBLER or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services if you or a loved one has a gambling problem. Only trigger we want you pull in there. Uh, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Joining the show now, our former co-host and producer of the Bat Around in its original iteration. He is Zachary Allen Goodman. Zach, good morning. Thanks for joining the show. How are you? Morning, guys. I knew I'd get the the lovely introduction with my uh, my fake middle name. I appreciate that. It's in the it's in the description too. I saw that, and I, I joined yep. the uh, I joined the Orioles jacket, Orioles hat. Uh, outfit situation here so i like that but i was not was I, unfortunately i was not at the bar when the uh when this news broke of the of the sale i was at a train station so i guess i can't i can't set that narrative but what were you doing at the train station i was uh i was going home i was coming back from work and unfortunately you know i was i, I was only getting like a little bit of service so i was kind of sifting through some of the tweets i saw and trying to figure out what was real what wasn't and that's when i texted you paul actually and i was like hey you know is this real is what's happening here and uh, I figured it was because we'd heard about the Rubenstein thing before, and uh, it's something that had come out a few months ago that he was looking into buying the team. But um, yeah, I was pretty excited and just trying to sift through and, and figure out what was happening with like three bars of service. Yeah, uh, it was it was in an epic moment, just an unbelievable. You heard you missed the the story. I'll have to fill that. Out. Here's Bruce. He's excited too. Bruce got He's big. A, yeah, oh, Bruce is like 110 pounds. Big He's guy. A but uh, yeah, it's um, it's just an amazing week for Orioles baseball. Probably the best week of my life um, when, as it pertains to the Orioles. What was your reaction when you realized that this was real, Zach, and that the, the Orioles were being sold from arguably the worst owner in professional sports? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I after the playoff losses, uh, I went into this offseason with a bit of uh, negativity, and I'm I'm not like the most positive guy when it comes to sports. I think we all we all have probably realized that over the three years we've done this. Um, but when it comes to the Orioles, you know, John Angelos had put his foot in his mouth about a million times uh, since taking over this team, and I think we all when when Angelos did take it over from his father, we all kind of viewed it as a possible positive thing. Like I don't I don't mm -hmm. think anyone thought this was going to go as badly as it has. Um, and it's just been relentless 
horrible PR from John Angelos for years and talking about how he wants concerts over wins and, and God knows what else. Um, and, it, it, you know, even coming out and saying that we're not going to be able to extend our, our young stars like Gunnar Henderson, Jackson Holiday, Adley Rutschman, whoever else. And all of those things just kind of put me in a bad Orioles mood going into this offseason. Um, and I, I really it was the first time I've, I've felt in a very positive way about this team and a very positive way about this organization when the sale happened. I, I think this is a milestone for this franchise in really not just, you know, kind of the rebuild at the, the post rebuilding years, but for this team for the next 2030, it's so important that they have ownership. That's going to be willing to sink real funds rather than $5 million, $6 million contracts into this organization. So for me, you know, my reaction is just hope and a bit of optimism, which is not normal for me uh, when it comes to the Baltimore Orioles. And I guess after 15 years of losing, who can really be that optimistic about that team? You know, they went through a bunch of rebuilding years. They, they won 101 games last year. There's a lot to be optimistic about with an ownership group. That's actually going to pay for, for decent play. Yeah, and I, I think that that's an accurate depiction of how I think all of us were feeling after. Uh, I, I, I'll say a, a lot of us. I won't say all of us, um, but a lot of us were feeling after they got swept out of the playoffs. It was they won 101 games. They just lost. They're not going to go spend big money again uh, for the, the top free agents. So are we going to look at more bargain basement shopping? And or are we are we looking at trading some of our top prospects, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul situation? Um, and I think that all of us kind of that a lot of us felt the same way that you did, Zach. So then when we see them go and the team gets sold and then the next day they trade for arguably the best starting pitcher in baseball. It, it was just like, holy crap, is this what it feels like to root for a team that, that where ownership's top priority is going and winning a world series. Is that what this feels like? It's just, it, it's an incredible feeling that I don't think any of us have ever felt. I, I remember the mid nineties when the Orioles traded for, um, when they traded for Rafael Palmero not traded for Palmero, but they signed Palmero. They traded for Bobby Bonilla. They signed Alomar. They signed Eric Davis, BJ Sorrell. I remember that stuff, Jimmy key. And I, and uh, they traded for Scott Erickson. I remember all that stuff and being like, knowing that my team was making a run and I was a little kid. So I just, I expected it to always be like that. And then it just stopped. Right. It just absolutely stopped. And now it's like, you've, I feel like, I feel like a kid again. Right. Like when I am Orioles, at the yard. Baseball. Really miss Paul Valley singing on the batter. Yeah, that man. It's, I mean, it's, it's, we've got <laughs> reason to sing in Baltimore, man. We've we got do. absolute reason to sing here in Baltimore. And it's it's just an amazing feeling right now, uh, which has been even more highlighted by the acquisition of Corbin Burns. And let's jump right into that, guys. Um, or the Orioles, they trade DL Hall, Joey Ortiz, and the competitive balance round day pick 34th overall to the Brewers in, in exchange for Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns, four consecutive years finishing top eight in, in NL Cy Young voting, including winning the award in 2021. Three straight years striking out 200 plus batters. You look at Corbin Burns and you look at his numbers, and 2023 statistically was the worst season of his career. Right. The worst season of his career. And he went 10 and 8 with a 339 ERA while throwing 193 and two thirds innings and striking out 200 batters. And oh, by the way, led the majors in whip at 1.065. And that was the worst year of his career. What are the Orioles getting? in Corbin Burns, and how much better is this team this week than it was last week? Well, I think it's almost disrespectful to, and I saw this a lot on Twitter, to Kyle Bradish to say the Orioles don't have an ace right now because I believe they do. I think mm -hmm. Kyle Bradish is still the ace. I think Kyle Bradish had a better year slightly than Corbin Burns did last year. And okay. again, you mentioned that it was the worst year of, of Corbin Burns' career. Uh, three years ago, he was literally unreal. Like the best pitcher in baseball, his ERA was what, 2.1, something like that. It was, it was exceptionally low. Um, but I think Kyle Bradish is still the ace here. And I, I agree with your tweet the other day, Paul, about uh, Kyle Bradish still being the opening day starter. I think that's going to be probably what, what happens. But Corbin Burns slots in right after him. 
and really fills the gap, I think, very well between Grayson Rodriguez and uh, Kyle Bradish. And then not to, not to mention, you still have Dean Kramer, you still have John Means, you have other guys who can contribute too. Michael Lorenzen's still out there. I know you guys talked about that recently on one of the shows. Um, so there are possibilities of guys that, that still can come in. But this is huge. Look, this is the first trade they've made in so many years that you look at and you get really excited about. The Cole Irvin trade didn't do that for us last year. The different trades, I mean, how many trades have we we saw in the Dan Duquette era that just weren't all that exciting? They got okay players, but they didn't get anyone that's necessarily uh, a superstar, a starting pitcher like, like Corbin Burns. This is huge. Uh, it, it, this brings back... Um, you know, like Paul said, many memories of, of the 90s, and not, not that I have those memories personally, but from, from reading about them, when they actually did go out and try to make uh, monumental moves. And I, I, think this is, I think this is just massive. This is the guy they needed. It fills the hole perfectly. Michael Elias said it in his press conference yesterday. This is the exact guy they needed to take the next step forward. It, it, it absolutely is. And, and Ryan, we know that the Orioles just traded for your, for your favorite starting pitcher in baseball. But beyond that, this Orioles rotation now is absolutely stacked. It is. How does this? How does this rotation? Um, and, and Ryan, how does this rotation uh, stack up against the other the, some of the best rotations in baseball? Well, the Orioles rotation was already pretty solid when you have two guys in Bradish and Rodriguez at the top. Now you trade for Corbin Burns, a, a, a second bona fide ace on this roster. I agree with you, Zach. Kyle Bradish is an ace and deserves that respect. This move pushes Tyler Wells out of the rotation. Tyler Wells led Major League Baseball in whip in June of last year before he was sent down to, you know, kind of settle down his workload a little bit. Tyler Wells is a really good starting pitcher, and he was probably going to be our five before this trade, and now he's likely relegated to the bullpen. This rotation is deep. John Means, who has thrown a no-hitter and was our ace for two, three years, is now clearly number four. And then you've got Dean Kramer, who's been a very, very solid contributor for the few years that he's been up. It's a very, very deep rotation. And I think when you look at not only the depth, but the firepower at the top, at least the top two, and I, I would say top three, throwing Grayson in there, because I do believe that his second half is more indicative of the pitcher he's going to be going forward. I, I'm not sure there's a better yeah. rotation in the league. I think the Dodgers could have a case. I think maybe the Mariners could have a case, but... I think when it's all said and done, we're going to be looking at this Orioles rotation. Yeah, as, as I look at um, – you mentioned Dean Kramer. He's the Orioles' number five. There's a, if Dean Kramer was on this team doing what he's doing now three years ago, he would have been the eight, the ace. Yeah. Ace. I can never see my, my quote fingers <laughs> in the screen, so the ace. <laughs> uh, his last two seasons, 54 games, 53 starts. The one relief appearance was a game he should have started against the Blue Jays in September of 2022 when – and. Uh, Tyler Wells came back from from six weeks on the IL to make the start in his place. He went an inning in two thirds, and then Dean came in and threw five in the third innings of one run ball. Um, so it's essentially a start, but he's got a three seventy four ERA in two hundred and ninety eight innings uh, in the last two years, and he's gone twenty one and twelve. And that's the Orioles' number five starter. You know, when people talk about John Means, there's some there's some comments here in the chat that I'm going to get to. I'm not uh, ignoring you guys. I do see your chat. Um, your chat's here, and I'm going to get to them here. We're going to get to them here shortly. But people are talking about John Means, you know, maybe not being part of this rotation, maybe moving to the bullpen. Nobody nobody um, uh, that's like an analyst or a beat writer or anything like that is talking about him going to the bullpen, but it has been mentioned a few times uh, by some fans. John Means had, came back and made four starts uh, at the end of the season last year and pitched to a 266 ERA, including taking a no-hitter into the seventh inning against uh the cleveland guardians in his final start um so you look at that that the orioles rotation top to bottom it's amongst the best in all of baseball at this point when after adding corbin burns and i think you have three guys in burns bradish and rodriguez who are going to finish top 10 in cy young voting this year i think that the top three is as good if not better than any top three in the game today uh now you talk about what the Orioles gave up to get this. And I admittedly, I told Zach this, admittedly when the uh, when the trade was announced and I saw the return, my heart sunk because it is well documented. I'm as big a DL Hall fan as there is. I am as, I, I'm 
like his number one supporter outside of his family. I think he is absolutely nasty. And if he figures it out from a starting standpoint, I think he is going to be a deadly starter. He goes, they get six years of control out of DL Hall, who I think who, you know, John Paul Morosi came out on MLB Network the other day and he said that the that the Brewers view DL Hall as a starter and they think he can be a really good starter. He's going to make their opening day rotation if he's if he's healthy. Uh, he's going to get an opportunity to take the ball every fifth day for them. And I think he's going to have a big year for them. Again, if he stays healthy, Zach, you are not a believer. You think that he's at best a, a back end reliever. Um, Ryan, I don't know. I don't really know your feelings too much on DL Hall because we haven't talked about it too much since you've taken over on this show. Um, but to me, that one, that one stung Joey Ortiz. I understood because he was, he wasn't going to be more than a utility guy here. Um, and then you give up the competitive balance round. They pick 34th overall pick. We have to remember that in 2020, Jordan Westberg was a competitive balance round a pick. So your thoughts on what the Orioles gave up. The baseball world is saying they fleeced the Brewers. They didn't give up much. D.L. Hall hurts my heart a bit. Yeah, I mean, I actually felt that the 34th pick uh, was a tough one to give up. You know, you can really find some. And the Orioles did it with Gunnar Henderson, um, which I think he was picked at, what, 27, maybe a little bit lower than that. Or right around that area, you can find some really good players. Really mm -hmm. good. So that, that hurt me a little bit. Um, Deal Hall, I think he's going to be a really good reliever. I do. I, I think he's going to be a Josh Hader type of guy. He has that stuff if he can stay healthy and if he can find the zone off of enough, which I think in the playoffs we saw uh, the best of what Deal Hall can be. He was excellent. And Perhaps he can get better from there. I'm not. I'm not saying he's not going to. I think as a starter, his workload would be difficult, considering he's never really thrown that many innings in the minor leagues. Um, and I, I think over 100 innings is going to be tough for him to do drastically over 100 innings. He might get to 110, 120, but I don't think throwing 165 innings or anything close to that is really realistic for him. So if he is a starter, I, I don't know if he's going to go more than like four or five innings in most outings. And, and that would be kind of what he's capped at, but I wish him luck. I hope he does well. The Brewers are certainly not a team I hate. I don't, I don't really mind them. So I wish deal hall all the success he can have over there. Um, and as far as Joey Ortiz goes, I, I always was not really a believer in the top 100 talk. Joey Ortiz, you saw him. I think he came in at 63 on the 2024 pipeline top 100. I think that's a little high. I, I think he's really up there for the fielding. I, the hit tool has certainly come along in, in recent years. You've seen him uh, really turn it on with the bat. But I, I don't know if he's really going to be any more than just kind of an average starter. I, I don't think he's going to turn into a star player who hits 320 and, and you know, Jack's 25 home runs a year. I just don't think he's the guy for that. Um, he'll be a great fielder. He was probably the best guy in the organization, even above Gunnar Henderson, even above Jackson Holiday, fielding-wise at shortstop. But look, I, I really don't think they gave up that much for a guy that they probably should extend and probably can extend with this new ownership group when that goes through. And a guy that's going to slot, again, right, right behind Kyle Bradish as the second-best starter at a quite good number two starter in your rotation. I don't think they gave up that much for a guy that's as significant as this. I, I am inclined to agree with you, Zach. Um, you know, it, it's a couple guys who I've, I've really kind of fallen in love with as Orioles prospects in DL Hall and Joey Ortiz. I, I think that whether DL Hall is a starter or a reliever, I think he's going to be good. And I, I truly hope that he has a, like there, there would be, no hard feelings at all on my part if he goes out and wins a Cy Young, kind of like Jake Arrieta did after we traded him away. Uh, Joey Ortiz, I, I, I don't think he's going to hit a ton in the majors, but I think he'll hit enough to keep himself in the lineup uh, with his glove. In Milwaukee, he'll get a shot as a third baseman. They have Willie Adamas locked in at shortstop for this year at least. And uh, so I, I do think this is a good opportunity for Ortiz to get some legitimate playing time at the big league level. And I, I wish those two guys nothing but success. You know, it's it's weird because I don't consider myself a prospect hugger. I understand that you have to give up talent in order to get it. It's just, it's weird though that the last five six years have been ones in which we're stockpiling minor league talent and watching these guys come up through the system and be best friends with each other. You know, I think about DL Hall mm -hmm. and Grayson Rodriguez having to split ways. I think about Joey Ortiz and guys like Kobe Mayo and Connor Norby having to split ways. And it, it makes me sad in the same way that it made me sad watching Manny Machado and Jonathan yeah. Scope get broken up. Right. And look, I get it. It's a business, but there's a part of that, that, that hurts me a little bit seeing these guys post on Instagram, you know, pictures of hugging each other after winning championships or hitting walk-off home runs or, or whatever it may be. 
that's a crappy part of this game. But when you look at it objectively from the the viewpoint of did we give up too much to get this guy? Absolutely not. I, I agree with you, Zach, that the 34th pick could that could be a massive hit for the Brewers. You never know. Um, but it's it's also important to remember that if the Orioles give Corbin Burns a qualifying offer at the end of this year and he does end up walking in free agency, they will get a competitive balance round A pick back. Uh, so there is a chance that that part of the trade True. ends up being negligible. But this is a trade you make 100 yeah. times out of 100. Oh, I, I, I agree with you guys. I agree with you. I, I, I'm a firm believer that to get something, you've got to give up something. We see a lot of people um, who are fans of the Orioles put out their trade proposals. And it's like, why do you think Kyle Stowers, Joey Ortiz, and, you know, Cade Povich are going to get you Dylan Cease? That's just not going to happen. You know, uh, so I, I firmly believe you have to give up something to get something. Uh, there could have been any other prospect not named Jackson Holiday they, that they could have put in there that I would have been okay with. DL Hall was just a personal favorite of mine, and that's why it hurt. But I understand it. I agree with the trade. I do it a hundred times out of a hundred because you got a Cy Young winner at the top of your rotation now, and you got another guy at the top of your rotation who finished fourth, who probably should have been a finalist. If you look at the numbers, he should have been a, a, a finalist for the award in Kyle Bradish. So, um, I have two more two more very yeah, tiny yeah. points to make if I can real quick. Uh, they they pulled off this trade without giving up any. Not only did they not have to give up Jackson Hollow, they didn't give up right. any of their top right. five yeah. prospects, yeah, which is massive. And uh, Baseball America updated their like farm system rankings. The Orioles made this trade. They traded from their surplus of prospects. They are still the number one farm system in baseball okay. according to Baseball America. And so, I mean, look, like like we said. It's a it's a deal you absolutely pulled the trigger on. And yeah. I'll add, I'll add to my comments did. before from real quick. When the yeah. trade broke, I actually figured that someone asked me, one of my friends asked me, hey, what do you think the return's going to be? And I said, I think Colton Kowser will be at the top of this. I'm very happy they held on to Colton Kowser. They got to mm-hmm. hold on to, like you said, top five prospects. That's a huge thing. Not insignificant. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a definite amazing job. Michael Elias has been doing this since he got here. Been getting such a huge return. Uh, for, in my opinion, good returns. They don't always work out. Kyle Bradish is like the uh, Bradishes. Uh, Kyle Bradish is the, the biggest return that, that he's gotten, the one that's worked out the most in that four players uh, trade uh, for Dylan Bundy. But he's gotten players who have gotten major league time at the Orioles that we thought were going to be something. So I, I think he's done a phenomenal job in the trades that he's made. If you had told me that they were going to get Corbin Burns for the number six and number seven overall prospect and a uh, competitive balance pick. Uh, I would have, I would have signed up for that in blood too. So it, it was definitely an amazing move. And before we let Zach go, cause Zach, I know you gotta, you gotta get going. I got time. Um, I, I can stick on for 10 more minutes. If you're, if you're cool with that, anything you, okay. anything you're good with. Okay. Yeah, man, whatever, whatever you want to do. I just, I know you said 20, 30 minutes. So I wanted to make sure that, that you were good. Um, are we looking at the Orioles potentially? Cause we, we, Ryan, you mentioned if the Orioles extend the qualifying offer to Corbin Burns, at the end of the season and he walks, they get that competitive balance pick back at, uh, for the 2025 draft. With this new ownership group, should we stop thinking about the qualifying offer and should we be thinking that they're going to extend a guy like Corbin Burns? I don't think they're going to extend him. I, I think, I think Corbin Burns, mm-hmm. I think they'll try. I, I will say that. I do think they'll make an effort. I think they'll reach out to, to Scott Boris and, and his crew and, and see what's going on. I don't think they extend him during the season. I do think, however, that there is a realistic possibility that, you know, they let him test the market and he ends up coming back on a, on a massive contract. I do, I do genuinely, like he seems very genuine in wanting to test free agency. He's been saying that for a couple of years now, you know, being so close to it. And most guys who say that, especially when they're Boris clients are going to end up testing free agency. So I don't see an extension happening, but I do see a scenario in which, Corbin Burns wants to come back to Baltimore and re-signs here for, you know, a five, six, seven-year exactly. deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the issues here that that I was thinking about when, when I was considering extension is that if you do extend Corbin Burns, you probably have to sacrifice one of the young Orioles, I would think. Maybe it's Adley Rushman, maybe it's Gunnar Henderson. If you're paying him $200 million to be here, you're going to have to sacrifice someone else. So, you know, you probably have to weigh the the benefits and, and the possible the possible negative outcomes of this. Um, obviously, you want to keep all those guys around. Obviously, you're not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to extend Adley Rushman, Jackson Holiday, and Gunnar Henderson, for most likely. I, I 
can't, I guess I can't speak on what the new ownership might do. They have a lot of money. Michael Bloomberg is like a hundred million dollars, a hundred billion dollars, I should say. I don't know mm-hmm. how much money he's going to pour in. Um, and, and Ruben Stein himself certainly isn't, isn't, uh, poor, but all of these guys, we, we don't know exactly how this is going to go. So it's, it's hard to speak on it, but I do think you'll have to sacrifice some, someone else if you are going to extend Corbin Burns, but Hey, uh, Baltimore's had a very, very tough time over the past 10, 15 years. And, and beyond that, getting good starting pitching. So maybe you keep the guy around when you finally get him. Yeah, I um, I don't know what they're going to do. I think that it could be like when you when you think about the young guys that they have that, that you would like to see them extend. And you mentioned it, Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson at the top of that list. And you start thinking about Jackson Holiday. And if he gets off, if his career gets off to the start that we think it's going to, those extension talks could come sooner rather than later. And then you look at the rotation, Kyle Bradish and yep. Grayson Rodriguez. You know, if you're going to extend a starting pitcher – you might want it to be one of those guys who were just starting their careers or in their early twenties, as opposed to a guy like Corbin Burns, who he's 29, he's at the peak of his career, but what are you going to get at the back end of that contract? So in that, in that sense, it makes sense. Um, I don't know how much money these guys are willing to spend on people. I also don't think that it's going to cost you. If you want to extend a guy like Jackson holiday, I don't think it's going to cost you $250 million because he's you're buying out every year of uh, pre-arbitration and arbitration with a guy like that. Uh, you might be looking at 10 years, $150 million for Jackson holiday that that's backloaded. Right. Um, I just don't know what that looks like. And I'm, I'm not in a front office for good reason. So, you know, I don't even, I shouldn't even talk about it. Um, do we think, so Michael Elias said that this deal was in the works for months and that he and John P. Angelos, I have something different in the notes, uh, worked directly together to get it done and that no ownership has nothing to do with it. And when and Corbin Burns was on, um, I can't remember the podcast, it's called the Todd Frazier uh, host. Yeah. Foul territory. He was on foul territory, territory with, with Todd Frazier, and he asked him like what that call was like. And he said, you know, my, I got off the phone with the Brewers GM, knew that I had been traded, and then Mike Elias called me, told me that he had been pulling for this deal for months. Um, the timing is ominous, right? The timing of it happening the day after the franchise gets sold. Do we believe that he and John Angelos work directly together to, to get this deal done? Or do we think that he's saying that to help John Angelos save face? Because he could have been trying to get this deal to happen for months and then finally got the okay to do it because John's leaving and Rubenstein maybe had something to do with that. Do we believe fully that new ownership had nothing to do with this deal? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, the the, the no. timing's too, no, too much. Chance. The timing's too I, much. I would have to think Mike Elias is yeah. legally obligated to say that John Angelos did this because the, this, technically the sale hasn't gone through yet. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of influence that that Ruben Stein's immediately going to have, but I, I would think it's going to be mostly you know, how they're, they're operating is, is the influence he's having. So I, you know, personally, I, I think this is a great way for John Angelos to go out. He looks at this and says, okay, my last move really is as the Orioles majority owner was getting Corbin Burns. That's certainly a pretty, pretty good way for him to get out. I mean, I, I'm not conspiratorial about this, but it, again, it, it certainly looks like a, a great way for him to just kind of end his tenure with the Orioles. And he'll still be back as a senior advisor, as we know, I don't know what kind of capacity that's going to be, but he'll, he'll be around, I think, but I don't know. Until, it, it, well, I, he'll, he'll be around, I believe, until yeah. Peter passes and the team gets completely uh, sold. It sounds like that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys see the massive shit eating grin on Elias' face when he was talking about how he was working with John Angelus on this trade? I think I think that man was lying through his teeth. Yeah, I didn't see the I press really conference. Do. I just heard. And I love it. I. It was yeah. It was just a little Zoom thing, but yeah, he like he he had a smile like I have right now. He was like, yeah, yeah, I. I I've been working with John Angelos on this for since November 1st when the World Series ended, blah, 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 blah. Like, I do think that Angelos was involved in this trade, but I, the timing is too perfect for it to not have something to do with the change in ownership, you know. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, 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 things happen. It, the timing is too I, perfect for it to, I, yeah, I, you know. Yeah. I also don't think this is a trade the Orioles make if they don't think there's a realistic possibility that they can keep mm-hmm. him around long term. I, I think that I, like I know the organization really, really likes Joey Ortiz. I understand he's blocked by a few really good infielders, uh, and I do think that they legitimately believe that DL Hall can be a long term starting pitcher. So I, I don't think this is a trade that they make if Elias doesn't have confidence that this new ownership group is going to at least try to shell out the money 
to keep. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out and what the Orioles do moving forward as we approach spring training just 11 days away. I want to remind you that uh, today's show brought to you by Goose Flights. Press Box urges you to drink a beer or two in, uh, in honor of Tony Saragusa. We've partnered with Guilford Hall Brewery to release Goose Flights, a delicious lager to, own it, to honor Tony's legacy and how his family is continuing to celebrate him with the Goose Flights Foundation. The Goose Flight Foundation is now run by Tony's kids and provides non-emergency medical transport to those in need. You can buy six packs and single cans of Goose Flights at Guilford Hall Brewery and Costas Inn, which apparently I will never go to. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. I love the Costas Inn. Um, that's an inside joke. It has nothing to do with the Costas Inn itself. Uh, with single cans also available at Alonzo's in Roland Park and the Glory Days Grill locations in Maryland. Or purchase six packs and cases also available at the Wine Source in Hampton. Raise a glass to Tony and support this great foundation. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash GooseFlights to learn all about it. And so, guys, before again, before we get Zach out of here, um, now people are starting to speculate just like we are. What's gonna what's new ownership gonna do? What is this Orioles team gonna look like moving forward? Uh, do the Orioles have any other moves in the works? And with that, a uh, big friend of the show, he tunes in every week. Um, Adip Mahmood, he uh tweeted out to uh, or commented to us. Did you see Carlos Baerga's IG post about the Orioles potentially being in on Snell and JD Martinez after the Burns trade? I know he's hit or miss on most things, but the timing is interesting. I'll I'll start off with that. JD Martinez, if with the Orioles loving versatility in their players, he is a DH only guy. Yeah. I do not see that coming. Um, I will get into a into trade talk here. I think if the Orioles do add another another starting pitcher, I think it's more likely to be as part of a a, a free agent signing. I don't think that they want to trade any more prospects. I think that if they wanted to trade prospects, they would have already done that. So I would anticipate that if they if they do get another starting pitcher this offseason, it's going to be a signing. Your thoughts, guys? Yeah, Blake Snell. I I don't know. That's I mean that's that's another one of the the best starting pitchers in baseball. Frankly, two um, Cy Youngs. Right. Two Cy, I mean that guy is incredible, and and everyone wants a good lefty. I I don't see that happening. I just – that's not – and J.D. Martinez, look, the bat's great. I'd love to add another good bat to the lineup. That would be fantastic. I think that might come through Jackson Holiday. Possibly. We'll see. Uh, maybe Colton Kowser is that guy. But I, J.D. Martinez, again, like you said, doesn't add any versatility. He plays one position. Maybe you can throw him at first base and work on that in spring training. Not sure I'd trust that either. I, I'm not sure either of those things are going to happen. They might have reached out, but I don't think that means anything's in the works. Ryan? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be uh, too fond of, of J.D. Martinez. I mean, we talked about like Justin Turner last week. It's just another one that wouldn't really do it for me. Um, J.D. Martinez is is basically putting another Ryan Mountcastle in your lineup. And, I mean, I, I, I'm not too keen on that, especially since he won't Agreed. be playing any defense. Um, Blake Snell, look, I, I, don't, I don't see it happening, but I'd be lying if I said mm -hmm. I don't think it's possible. I, like, there... What, what's the what's the first thing you want to do when you make a you know you win the lottery what's the first thing you do you want to buy a couple nice cars or something right this ownership transition could go through as soon as this week with the ownership meetings mm -hmm. taking place i really think they're going to push this deal along and i think that by the end of this week there's a realistic shot that the transition has been made and when that happens if Blake Snell is still out on the market, it would not surprise me in the slightest if they say, "Hey, Mike, go give give his agent a call and uh, see what they're yeah. what they're asking for right now." It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Now, do I think it? Look, adding Blake Snell to a rotation that already includes two, maybe three aces, and John Means, who formerly threw a no hitter, uh, get out of here. That that would be an historically mm -hmm. good starting rotation. I don't, I don't see it, but like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if they at least – Yeah, and you talk about throwing a no-hitter. You have two guys in your rotation who have thrown no-hitters and another two guys who have no-hitter stuff. Uh, it's it's a great day to be an Orioles maybe, fan. Maybe Domingo Herman needs to be the ads then get a guy with a perfect game in there. No, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> All right. I'm totally yeah. Take Zach no, off the no, feed. No. What, a final, what a final statement. No, <laughs> a little bit more rapid fire with these because we're, we're coming up towards the end of the show here. Uh, Randall, um, 
Randall Francase, is that if I butchered your name, I apologize. Ocean now trade with Seattle for Gilbert. Seattle needs bats, and those have a few. Adds more strength to current rotation for the next three years. Allows means to go to the bullpen, build arm strength, strengthen the bullpen. Um, I don't, I, I don't want to trade for another I, starting pitcher. I don't want to, I don't want to trade uh, any more prospects because now you're getting into guys who I think are going to be here as early as this year, who are actually going to help this club. I'm, I, I'm, I will, I will mention though, if you're a prospect hugger, you might want to look at a different team because I think in the next probably five years, they're going to make some significant trades. This is already, again, we think this is the new ownership group probably going through with this and, and making this trade and making this deal. They're going to make more deals like this. I mean, they, they just are. They have to supplement the young talent they have. I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. So, uh, But Gilbert right now, probably not a great idea. Ryan? I would I would love to to go out and get Gilbert depending on the asking price, I, um, but I think it would be too much. Um, I, if my memory serves me right, Randall I think is the same commenter who a couple months ago said that we should trade for either Gilbert from Seattle, Yuri Perez from the Marlins, or Gavin Williams from the Guardians. Um, look, the, and as we said last time, those are three guys who yeah they'd be great to have on the team, but you're giving up a lot of talent to get young controllable starting pitching. I, I don't see it happening. I do agree, though. I think it might not be the worst thing if John Means ended up pushed to the bullpen, at least to start off the year, stretch him out a little bit, make sure he stays healthy. So I, I don't think yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I think John Means – and look, I know that they weren't expecting a lot of starts out of John Means at the end of the year so they could get good innings out of him. I know they had to be more careful with him this year. But I also believe I remember uh, Michael Lassen, I could be wrong here, saying that John Means is a full go with no restrictions. Uh, in, in spring training. This is a guy who's thrown a lot of big league innings. He's had a lot of time to come back from Tommy John surgery. If he's a full go, I don't think he needs to go to the bullpen. Randall went on to say, um, adding Gilbert or Luzardo would hedge against Burns, not re-signing. And that is true because you have them, you have team control with those guys for another three seasons. And look, you you maybe you don't have to give up prospects. Maybe you you trade for one of these guys and you give up Dean Kramer and Anthony Santander to pave the way for Colton Kowser and Heston Kerstad. Maybe that's a, a trade that you're, that you're able to make to get somebody like this, um, especially for some of these teams that are looking for outfield help. Um, I just, I, and, and, and I'm not one who's going to sit here and say that I'm a, a prospect hugger, but you look at their top five, Jackson Holiday, Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo. These are guys who I think are going to help the ball club pretty soon in 2024 who are going to be everyday players for the team. And I don't want to get rid of them. Yeah, totally agree. That's fair. I mean, especially yeah. on the Jackson holiday front, there's no, I assume he's untouchable. There is no deal that they could be offered that he would, he would be traded them. Absolutely not. Not at this point. I will say Lizardo is probably my second favorite pitcher behind Corbin Burns outside of the Orioles. So, hey, look, from a personal standpoint, yeah, bring, bring, bring him on, bring him on. In other words, uh, you like the guys who throw a hundred with nasty sliders. <laughs> More. Yeah, yeah, um, he doesn't. RL Topper, he says, are they done or will there be any bullpen moves made to sort of slot in where Hall was? Please, no Baker or Aiken. No Baker or Aiken. I want to scream that from uh, no bacon. Uh, I want to scream that from uh, the top of a mountain. Neither one of those guys has any business on a team that's making a serious case to make a run of the World Series. Um, uh, you know, there, there's not there's Phil Matone and there's Ryan Brazier that are out there. Um, is it Matone or Matten or Ma I don't know. Mason. And he just he just signed Mason. this morning. So oh oh, he did sign this morning. What's so the race? Still, okay, so he's not nice. out there. So you're really looking at Ryan Brazier at this point, unless you're trading for somebody. Um, I don't think they're done. I just don't know how there's significant a, a move it's going to be. Ryan, go ahead. There have already been reports that the Orioles have been connected to Brazier. I think it was a Heyman tweet from a few weeks ago. There are like six teams in, involved in his market. So maybe they bring on someone like him. Uh, one, one of my first thoughts when I, when I really was able to think about the, you know, the ripple effect of the Corbin Burns trade is, all right, they're, they're going to need another bullpen guy to replace Steel Hall. And my, I, I, honestly, I wanted Fuji back. Uh, he just signed mm -hmm. with the Mets yesterday. I, I wanted Shintaro Fujinami back in the bullpen. I think his stuff is too good for him to not figure it out. The Orioles have been really good with taking pitchers who struggle with command and helping them find their way. I thought Fuji was a, a perfect project for this team. But, hey, I, I wish him success. I, I hope they do fill the void, though, because D.L. Hall, I do think, is a pretty significant uh, I, loss. I, I do, bullpen. too. Uh, but I am glad to see that he's going to get an opportunity to start for the Brewers. I can't wait to see that happen. I told Zach, if he becomes 
uh, like a legitimate a starting pitcher for the Brewers. I will go buy a DL Hall Brewers jersey. I, I promise you that I will. Uh, today's show brought to you by Project Game Day, which continues tomorrow. Oh, that's not the right read. Sorry. Uh, today's show brought to you by Glenn Clark Radio. It was a big week on Glenn Clark Radio covering the dizzying amount of Baltimore sports news this week. If you missed any of the conversations, including Buster Only, Dan Duquette, Ben McDonald, and Xavier Scruggs on the Orioles sale and acquisition of Corbin Burns, plus Charles Davis, Michael Lombardi, Trey Wingo, and more at the end of the Ravens season and coaching changes, plus all the area's college lacrosse coaches before the season starts this weekend. Jesus, this weekend. And Maryland basketball star Jameer Young. You can find that all right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in review feature at pressboxonline.com. Zach, thank you so much for uh, for joining the show. Oh no, we ran out of time and we can't talk about the Ravens. Oh no. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, thank you to everybody for tuning in. Uh, one last thing I will say, go get Cody Bellinger. He fits this team like a glove. Thank you to all of our, our sponsors. Thank you to all of our uh, listeners and our viewers. Without any of you, we do not have a show until next week. Zach, this, this one's especially for you. See ya.